0: Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And it occurs to me that I don't know that we can say that anymore. (laughs) I'm not an actual librarian. Ah, No, you have your MLS. It, It always counts. I'm a librarian at heart, but yes, I just changed jobs and I actually am not in the library field anymore. So I still consider myself a librarian.
1: We'll still but, go with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. It's too much to say a librarian who's not currently working in the library It'll field. Library. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess it's not all that different from. Well, no. I mean, it's a pretty. It's pretty different. I'm not in the field anymore. So, anyway, I still consider myself <laughs> a librarian. So we're going to go with it. And today is truly. I know I said this about our favorite books of 2022, but I think truly today is my favorite episode we do all year. It is our reading resolutions, reflection from last year, and plans for the upcoming year, and then our 2022 superlatives, where we talk about books that fit into some sort of category that didn't necessarily land as a favorite book, but were notable in some way. So I'm very excited yeah. about
1: Yeah, this. this one, I was thinking the same thing that... But- I I think I enjoy, I think I like giving out the favorites episode more, but this is the one that's more fun to actually do yes. because it doesn't take as, it's like more fun thinking versus yes. just, oh, I need to write down these books. So yeah, I, I've, I'm pretty stoked for this one. I know.
0: All right. So let's start with resolution stuff. I think this will be actually pretty short because I know that uh, we discussed this last year in our episode that when you are on the reading committee that you are on, resolutions are a bit harder to come by because basically your resolution is just to read as many books for that committee as possible. Right. right. But let's talk a little bit about, we did have some last year. I went back and listened to last year's episode. Ooh,
1: look at you. Just
0: the, just the beginning. Oh, I couldn't remember. I thought what were my resolutions for 2022? I knew I had had some, but I couldn't quite remember. And then when I listened, I thought, oh, right, this all makes sense. And yes, these were, well, as we discussed and we could talk about, they're not hard and fast resolutions where I would have been noticing if I were failing, so to speak. So do you want me to Just start talking about my resolutions. Will will
1: you tell my resolutions too? Because I don't remember what my resolutions were.
0: So yours were, (laughs) the only thing that you talked about really last year was organizing your reading for the committee better than you had, because because you had had one year, it was your, you were finishing up your first year and you said, now that I have a sense of what I am doing, you wanted to manage your requests and... The books that you were reading in different time frames better.
1: That's what I, I it thought it might be and I was hoping it wasn't because I failed so badly at that this year so I was hoping it would have been something that was more like tangible yeah tangible or sustainable when right. I did not do that in any I did probably worse it's hard to say because my The year before was the year my mom died, and so that was, that sort of threw everything off, and it was also Mm -hmm. the year that I broke my ankle, so that threw a lot of things off too, and this year was the first year that it felt a little bit more like this was just a year, but I did have some kind of um, difficult things happen this year, and so I know that those impacted my reading quite a bit too, and so, and also I got the New York Times Crossword app, (laughs) and that really impacted my reading, so... I did pretty badly at all of it. So I definitely need to figure out a different system than just, I hope this will go well.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. We so. have uh, somebody who is the incoming chair of the committee. She has a really good system that works for her. I feel like she does a good job of reading the books that she intends to read mm-hmm. in the time that's going to work best for reading those books but I don't know. I think she just keeps a lot of spreadsheets. She loves spreadsheets. Yeah. So I think she's good at I am such a mood reader that having a list of books helps me because then I'm not just picking books randomly. But right, at the right, same right. Time. I can't, I'm not very good at saying these are the next five books I'm going to read unless I have to. So yeah. during the times that I was on the committee where you had nominated books you had to read, that was fine. I was actually sort of liked that going from one book to the next not even having to think about it yeah jeremy would often pick them out for me from the stacks it was just here is your set of books that you had to read but as far as other kinds of reading and just in my general life i'm not very good at making a list and saying these are the next however many books right, i'm going to read because right. i'm such a mood reader so i think it sort of depends on how you like to read to what systems are going to work for you
1: right and i i'm a little bit more like our incoming chair i'll create a system of like I'm, I'm going to to organize all the books by how long they are and then right. have to read them in that order but i can't read the same genre back to back
0: right. and it can't be
1: the same thing that i'm listening to and like right. have these rules that i sort of set into place and i think that's really fun my problem was that during the year i kept thinking i've got more time and right. Right. this is this is so early it's okay that i haven't right. read that many books in this span of time and that definitely uh came back to bite me later on when it was time to do uh nomination or not so much the nominations but when it was time to do the um the judging rounds to have not had read as many books ahead of time as i as i could have that would have really helped me out so you know third time's the charm
0: yeah every year it gets (laughs) a little bit easier and more manageable i think yeah just you have a better sense of what works for you
1: yeah yeah I think I need to write down some specific like tangible you're going to read after work for an hour Mm -hmm. as not just your commute time or your before bedtime or just fun time but this is a you that's part of your day is Mm -hmm. like I read every day but I don't necessarily have a dedicated I'm reading for this amount of time kind of thing and I think Mm -hmm. that might help too because I know that's something that you've done like after Mm -hmm. work you'll kind of just go out on your deck and Mm -hmm. and read for a while and and I think that I could do something similar.
0: Yeah I love that time actually that's my favorite time to read
1: because I'm not
0: falling asleep well and I'm not falling asleep at night in bed and it's a nice transition from work so yeah Yeah. I really like that.
1: Anyway go ahead with yours.
0: Okay so my main one was to just be excited about I got to read whatever I wanted (laughs) so I was trying not to put too many restrictions on myself because I had had four years of having more of a dictated reading life. And so I just said, I'm going to read whatever I want. But I did have a couple of things. One was to read more books that I own and not prioritize library books all the time. I think one of the things that a lot of people do is because library books have a due date, you tend to put those towards the top of the stack when there's something that needs to be read by a certain date. And then the books that you own can just collect dust right Right. right. Uh, so that was one of my goals I think I did pretty well with that I didn't track it so it's hard to say for sure but I I did read on my Kindle a fair bit so I have a lot of advanced readers copies that I've collected over the years on there and then physical books and so I think I did a pretty good job that is one of my 2023 resolutions and I actually have more of a system for it this year Mm -hmm. uh, that I think again I'm not tracking it but I think that if I stick Somewhat to the system, it'll work. And I'll talk about that when we talk about 2023 resolutions. And then another one was that I was going to post about every single book that I read on Instagram, which I did. I think there were a few books maybe towards the end of the year that kind of slipped through the cracks. I ended up getting sick at the end of the year, pretty yeah. pretty significantly sick. And I just didn't have it in me. It sounds silly because it's a post on Instagram, but I just didn't have it in me to do. Anything really? And I totally so totally get it. I had some books to- in the last couple of months where I don't I don't necessarily post them in the same order I read them. I tend to post if I've just finished a book that I really really loved, I tend to go ahead and post it right away. And then some of the books that are more in the middle of my ranking year or star rating they they can tend to sit for a little while because I'm it's harder to write about those I find or to talk about my impressions of those because they're mostly fine. They're not bad books, yeah. but there's nothing that stands out about it. So anyway, so there were a few, I think that, that I, I know there were a handful. I mean, I'm talking probably fewer than five, I think, that I didn't end up posting about. But in general, I think I did pretty well on that one. And then the, the last one I had was, I pulled 22 books, physical books from my shelf that I wanted to read in 2022. I stole this idea from somebody else I I do not take credit for coming up with that idea. And that one I didn't quite make. I think I had five books left that I hadn't read at the end of the year. So they're still sitting on my shelf in the hopes that maybe I will get to them this year. But again, the shiny library books ended up, (laughs) or or not even library books, but just, again, I'm a mood reader. And so when I would be looking for a book, sometimes I would look at that shelf and think, oh, I should read something off the shelf. But now, especially as it dwindled to a smaller number nothing was catching my attention. So yeah. there's still books I definitely want to read and it's not like I'm getting rid of them, but and and time goes quickly and I got married last year and there were yeah. there were weeks that I barely read at all. So so those were mine. So I I did find I don't think I I don't think my intention was to be super strict with myself last year about my resolutions. It was more about enjoying my reading year, which I did very very much. So That's great. Yeah.
1: You deserved it after 4 years of yeah. of not getting to choose.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I loved, we've talked about this, I loved being on that committee, but I'm really very much enjoying not being on the committee as well.
1: Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> I'm guessing, I know the answer to this, but do you have a 2023 reading resolution?
1: Basically what I was saying of making a tangible or, or a measurable reading per day goal and nothing, I mean, I'm not going to be married to it if I oh, if I'm right. on vacation and I... I'm not in a position to read. I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, I've got some international travel right. planned this year. I'm not going to be all sorry, family. Right. We're not we're not we're not doing that because I have to read. But I think that that would be I think that that would really help me out. And also this just in, in uh, December, I did a purge of my physical arcs which I've done multiple times since I've moved to Nashville. <laughs> and <laughs> this time I was like, no, seriously, it has to be something I really, really, really want to read and not just sounds pretty great, like, like mm-hmm. pretty good. It has to be mm-hmm. a, I've, I'm i I'm really into this book to keep it. And because I just was running out of shelf space for right. other books. and so And so I did that as I was listening to books for the committee and it actually turned out to be just a really nice... I don't know, sort of, sort of like meditative feeling yeah. kind of, um, kind of project and do, did a big shift with my books. And um, now they're looking really, really nice. And I'm I'm pretty Yay. pleased with it. So I'm always a very, like, I'm, I really thrive on the way my space feels and looks. Right. And so I'm, I'm always very organized with my books, but I had started to have the arcs sort of take over any space that was, a, that was like the tops mm. of shelves and stuff like that. Right. And I just was not feeling that so um, so now I have that all organized and so what I would like to do is to do a purge of my digital arcs because it's so easy to just oh, keep them like there. Them yeah, they yes. accumulate so much and so and there's so many things that when I first became a librarian I was requesting that I I just I had this this sense of, well, anything that comes across my desk is valid because there are lots of books that I didn't think I would like. And then I did it when I was forced to read them. And so I should give every book that chance. And that's just not tenable. It, it just is mm-hmm. not something that it's, it, it, there's no reason. It will never happen, essentially. Right. So, so I would like to go through and do just a good purge of that.
0: I did that not as much as I should have. I, I have plenty that I could still be getting rid of, but I did that just not too long ago because I had organized my arcs on my Kindle, especially during the last four years when we I was reading for the committee by genre. So what I did is I went through and basically anything that was tagged science fiction, I dumped <laughs> unless <laughs> I thought, because there were so many, there were a lot of arcs that I downloaded because I thought maybe somebody was going to nominate it yeah, or yeah. I should consider it so i got rid of a whole bunch the only ones i kept were ones i thought jeremy might like and just some other ones that i went through and looked say at the fantasy or or some of the categories that aren't necessarily at the top of my list and looked through them and and got rid of the ones that i thought no i i literally only downloaded this because i thought i might have to read it right it's not something i'm ever going to pick up but i could still do a much better job sifting through my digital arcs because yeah they just sit there and you don't have to see them, they're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. But they are digital clutter. It can be very overwhelming, especially with some art, some digital arcs, you don't see a cover image mm-hmm. when you are on your Kindle. And so it's just a lot of grayscale text yeah. with titles and yeah. you don't even know the author. And so when you're when you're sorting through trying to pick out something to read, it's not that useful. I actually have a whole separate Goodreads account that I use just to to organize my digital arcs oh, because nice. I found I needed I needed the visual cues of the cover image yeah. to help me uh, anyway but yeah it's a big I mean it's been probably close to ten years maybe uh, wasn't well, maybe not quite seven years that I've been downloading digital arcs so you can accumulate a lot
1: yeah and and Kindles fill up I've I've right. learned and so and so I, I've had to come up with a system of how many I'm going to actually keep right uh versus and and have like I can download them again at any time it's right. that, that's fine but i had to sort of think through all of that it it's right. all very goofy all
0: right any others for 2023 nope not for me all right so mine are going to sound very similar for the upcoming year because i liked a lot of what I did last year. So the first one is I pulled 23 books for 2023 off my physical shelves that I would like to read. And this time I'm going to be, I think, or try to be a little bit more thoughtful about each month, try to pull from that shelf. I didn't really do that last year. It was just a shelf of books that were, was front and center to me. So my idea was, well, I'll notice those more. But I didn't really, as I was picking up books, think to myself, have I read what, from that shelf recently? I just didn't. So this year I'm going to to try to think more about, all right, it's getting towards the end of January. Have I read from that shelf yet? So I have 23 books. If you're curious what they are, you can check out my Instagram, uh, my personal Instagram, which is Hallie770. I, I did post a picture of what books are on there. And Speaking of Instagram, I am going to continue posting about every book that I read on there with a little mini review. I asked At the end of the year if the people that follow me on there wanted that and almost universally every actually everybody who responded said yes one person said yes but maybe do it less frequently and i said well i just gotta do it as i read it i read a lot so uh, it seemed a little bit hard it seemed actually harder to me to do her suggestion was do roundup of books, like every five books post about them. And I thought, oh, that's too much thinking. I just, I yeah. post about what I've read and then I move on. So anyway, so I'm going to continue doing that. And then I referenced this earlier, but I am going to try, if I can, to alternate a book that I own in some fashion and own is, as we just discussed, I'm going to consider those digital arcs as books I own. Or physical books that are on my shelf with library books. So to get at that, read more books I own. Concept from last year of actually alternating, uh, mm-hmm. switching back and forth because then I feel like it's when I look back I can think well. Hopefully about fifty percent of my reading obviously would have been from my own shelves. And then the last one, which I think I am most excited about, and this is one I. Came up with kind of towards the end of last year and decided to save it as a starting in 2023 project. It will not be something I finish by any means in 2023. But I I need to give a little backstory here, which is that I, as everybody who listened to the last episode knows, I really loved the book Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead, which I read in 2022. After I read that book, I started reading some reviews of it and kind of poking around just to see... Did everybody like it as much as I did, basically? Mm -hmm. And I saw that it was shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. I started looking at the Women's Prize for Fiction, and I, at least for the last 10, 15 years, I would look at the winner and the shortlist and think, of the books that I had read on the winner and shortlist, I really liked. Like, they were among my favorite books of the last 10 or so years. Mm -hmm. So I thought... I should read them all. (laughs) So (laughs) my project, and again, this is going to be an ongoing project. Who knows if I will ever actually complete it, but is to attempt to read at the very least all of the winners of the Women's Prize for Fiction and hopefully the shortlists as well. Because what I noticed when I looked was it wasn't always just the winner that I really loved. It was also books on the shortlist. So Mm -hmm. like, like Great Circle, or there were some others that that were on the shortlist. So that's a project. I don't know that I've ever officially done anything like that. Like, I try to read award winners, or I remember at one point when I was working in the public library, I did some of the Juvie Award books, like Prince and things like that. I would try to read. I've never set out and said, I'm going to try to read these books. So pretty excited about that. Again, it's not something I'm going to finish in 2023, because I think that... I, I haven't counted up how many books it is, but it would basically be my entire reading year and then right, some, I think, right. if I tried to do them all. So I don't want that. That would be a very unfun to me. So I just want it to be a little sprinkling throughout my reading year and, and see how it goes. And maybe I'll turn up some books that I really love that I wouldn't have
1: known about otherwise. That sounds super fun. I love I love a project like that. Do they have a standard number on the short list every year, like like how we did four? is
0: Yes, so I would have to look at my list. I can confirm cuz I have a notebook right right behind me that has them all listed out. I think it's 5 on the short list and a winner or 5 total. It might be 4 on the short list one winner. Okay. I can't quite remember. I think it's 5 on the short list one winner and maybe some years it's only 4, but I have I have quite the quandary and that I will share with you. And maybe our listeners <laughs> can chime in and share what they think I should do. Because I've read some of these books. So something like Bel Canto, which mm-hmm. came out quite a few years ago now. I read when it came out or around then. Loved it. I'd be happy to reread that now. However, there, as I mentioned, there are some books from the last few years that I read just a few years ago that are on the short list. So I'm wondering, what is my cutoff? Is it if it was published prior to five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, then I reread it? Or is it, if I've read it, period, I could reread it if I want to, but I don't have to? Or I'm sort of debating that. So what I'm doing is I'm starting from the very earliest books, or the earliest time of the award, and because I don't have any books that I've read yet. So as as I try to figure this out in my mind, because like Great Circle I'm not going to read again. Right, right. Right now, because I just read that. But if I go in date chronological order, it could be ten years before I get to, right. <laughs> before I get to the twenty twenty one award winners.
1: And then I would reread it. So I don't know. I just have to figure that out. I would think I mean I don't think you should read well I was going to say I don't think you should reread something if you didn't love it the right. first time but sometimes it can be really fun to revisit a book and realize oh my head was in this space at that right. time now I look at it differently so right I would probably still say don't reread if you don't feel like you have to reread right but I don't know I also love a completist kind of kind know, of project that's what's so. so
0: hard and there are some books that I don't remember very vividly at all, so I thought, well, those all definitely reread. But then there are some, again, so recently that I read them. So, and then I also have to decide if I'm going to go t- completely in chronological order or skip around. Yeah. At least at first, I'm going to start with the oldest. Yeah, go from yeah.
1: There. I would do chronological just because I like I like I know. that kind of system. But yeah, yeah, that's my. I'm excited to hear what you decide.
0: <laughs> we'll see what we ha- what we be. Meet in a year from now and talk about our 2023 (laughs) resolutions and I said well I read four books and then stopped you'll know uh, if it went well or not yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so I think that's it for resolutions uh if any of our listeners want to share their reading resolutions I would love to hear them I always love hearing about reading goals what people are hoping for in their reading life so please yeah super super fun all right, and now is our Ooh. favorite, uh, which is our superlatives. So if you haven't listened before these, you'll, you'll catch on very quickly to what we're doing. But we have our, our categories of different books that are, were notable to us, as I said earlier. And we don't really, I think we just mostly touch on why they're in that category. We're not going to give a lot of background information about what the book Great. is about or anything like that. So our first category is most timely.
1: Okay, so I picked Babel by R. F. Kuang and Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. And these are kind of going along the same lines where they're both books that are dealing with colonialism, specifically Asian colonialism and or European countries going to Asia and taking their resources and the children of like kind of first generation children grappling with that history. um, But going about it in two very different ways. So Babel is is fantasy. Portrait of a Thief is a uh, thriller, but I I felt like this is something that we're talking about so much right now as a culture, and I just follow kind of the I, I want to say I follow the art world, but that would be such a, a gross exaggeration of mm-hmm. of what I what I do. But it's something I'm interested in, and so so these questions are something that I I'm thinking about and mm-hmm. reading up on and stuff, and so. So yeah, they just felt very of the moment. And mm-hmm. Babel especially impressed me because it's it's a fantasy novel set in the 19th century. And so to have these exact questions still be right. very, very current just was, was really impressive to me. So how about you?
0: So my first one is Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng, which is a near future dystopian book about how the, the country is dominated by people who want to instill American values and make sure American values are, are carried out in society. And so they take that to an extreme and start taking children away from their parents if they determine that the parents aren't instilling these American values And so it's about a young boy and his search for his mother who has gone into hiding. He hasn't been taken away from her, but she has gone into hiding because she fears that he would be, so he's living with his dad. And it's just, it doesn't take too much imagination to think of a world where that sort of thing happens, of people deciding that the way they think is the right way to think and, and placing restrictions on other people who don't necessarily think that way. And then I read, I felt like this was the first year that I saw the pandemic really pop up in a lot of books. I think we talked about this last year, is that a lot of books were set in 2018 and 2019, even if they were supposedly more current day. Uh, And this is the first year I started really feeling like I was reading books that talked about the pandemic as part of the story, either just in the periphery or as a main part of the story so Wish You Were Here by Jodi Picoult is 100% about the pandemic and then Lucy by the Sea by Elizabeth Strout was another one that I read and that is that they she goes to Bain because of the pandemic right at the beginning in in March of 2020 and and both of those directly confront the fact that there was a pandemic but then there were a handful of other ones that I read that again they were either referred to the pandemic or I don't know, it just was very matter of fact, I guess, mm-hmm. about the pandemic being what it was. And I, I, this is the first time I've seen this, which is, that makes sense because of publishing cycles that this would have been the first year. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. And of course, very timely to be talking about something that we're, frankly, still going through, mm-hmm. even though it does feel like we're, we're getting um, a little bit more beyond it. So mm-hmm. those were mine. Good picks. All right, so I know you love when we do these kinds of categories. What were your most disappointing looks?
1: <laughs> because I'm a terrible person, that's <laughs> why. Um, my most disappointing was the Hacienda by Isabel Canyas. This was the reason it was so disappointing to me was because it was my most excited and most anticipated yeah. read so for the year. So much about expectation. Yeah, everything. yeah, because I'm not. It's a different category than least favorite, right? Which we do later but I just had such high expectations for this and then it just didn't hit me at all. And I actually, I would consider going back to this one because I, I was reading it for the committee and although it wasn't during a judging month, it was just for my own mm-hmm. reading and I, I just took me forever to even get to the, the halfway point. Like I think it was over a week that I mm-hmm. took to read it and I just was, there was nothing that was making me, that was propelling me through the book. And so but you know who knows it might have it might have just been my my headspace right then so um so I would maybe be interested eventually in going back to this because I do love the idea of it so 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 much but for me it was it was a pretty big disappointment
0: yeah that's interesting because I feel like that book got a whole lot of buzz before it was published and then once it actually came out there wasn't i didn't really hear much about no, it. no yeah and that makes me think other people felt the same way as you did
1: yeah i know on on our committee there were some people that really loved it but then, oh, okay. um, but a lot of people felt like it didn't live up to the the hype so
0: all right well mine are same situation as you it's all about the expectations so the first one was thank you for listening by julia whalen so julia whalen is a very famous audiobook narrator she mm-hmm. also has a history as an actress, but I think now basically she makes her living as an audiobook narrator. And she's written a couple of books. This is her second, I believe. And it is about an audiobook narrator. Mm-hmm. It is a romance. She, it's about her relationship with another audiobook narrator. And I just thought, what could be better than Julia Whalen, who knows this world so well and has narrated a lot of books that I really love? and i just thought this is going to be such a wonderful audiobook to listen to i was so excited and it just really felt flat for me i didn't i didn't love it i don't know it just really it was just disappointing i just felt like it was fine mm-hmm. but i wouldn't really recommend people run out and read it and i know that i do know that there are people who really love this book there's somebody i know who included this among her favorites of the year so i hmm. I, I'm I'm definitely an outlier, I think, but yeah, to me it just kind of fell flat, and I just felt like I didn't love Julia Whelan's first book, and I didn't love this one. I thought maybe Julia Whelan as an author just isn't for me. Yeah, and and I just accept that, move on. But yeah. so that was one... I felt
1: the same way about her first book. So
0: yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, and then
1: we're in the same. The company. other
0: one and this one, I'm gonna do a little bit of caveat because. It was really only the ending of this next one that disappointed me. Up until the ending, I really loved it. It's The Cartographers by Pang Shepherd. So it has this really interesting premise about these cartographers, people who create maps, and there's a little bit of a mystery. And um, I don't know. It just sounded so, so cool, so interesting. And I really was into it. And then the, I found the ending completely unbelievable in a way like i just couldn't couldn't buy into how it wrapped up i'll say that mm-hmm. and so it kind of it disappointed me with that portion of it so that it kind of marred the way i felt about the whole book but at the same time i enjoyed the other part of the reading experience so much that i thought well maybe it's still you know maybe it still could be a good book in my mind i just didn't like the ending that one was really disappointing cuz it was such a cool premise and it it just I don't know. It's sort of like fantasy, but fantasy in the way I like fantasy, which mm-hmm. is very much rooted in the real world and that mystery element, which I really like. And anyway, almost like a sort of dark academia in a way, but surrounding maps instead of academia. So anyway, um, so those were my two. Really, I had a very good reading year. And I think that this and for least favorite as well, I didn't continue reading books that i wasn't enjoying Mm -hmm. i I had no problem putting them aside so i feel like i i actually didn't have a lot to choose from here because i didn't stick it out with books i wasn't enjoying
1: yeah that's also tricky like on on one of my least favorite i didn't finish the book but i hated what i read so much that i still felt entitled right to include it here
0: (laughs) yeah that's fair that's fair i mean i think that's fair for least favorite yeah.
1: You don't have to finish it for it to be your least favorite. Yeah. 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 All right. So.
0: What <laughs> what was your favorite reread?
1: Um so I put down Dumb Witness by Agatha Christie, but I'll be honest, I don't remember if I've read it before cuz I've oh. seen the I've seen that Poirot episode so many times because it's one of my favorites because specifically because the Dumb Witness of the title is a dog named Bob. And that is the name of my childhood dog. And so when I saw that episode in like the mid 90s, I lost my mind because the idea that someone else had the very smart idea of naming a dog Bob was uh, pretty revolutionary to me. So, So I know I've seen that episode just probably a dozen times. And so I truly don't know if I ever read the book along the way. In in that time, I read a lot of Agatha Christies before. Like I'm I'm still in my read a Christie a month uh, project that I uh, do off and on with some uh, online book friends, and so that was one that I, I read I listened to this year and very much enjoyed it. But but I was like I just can't I can't say for sure if in the the mid '90s if I read this book. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because it's truly the only one that is an option. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't. I didn't reread very much. In fact, I would like to reread more. I think, as I mentioned, with my quandary about the Women's Fiction Prize for Fiction, like, do I reread or not? But mm-hmm. so I've only reread two books this whole year, and I liked them both. One was part of the Bridgerton series. I was inspired <laughs> when I watched a season of Bridgerton to pick uh, pick up that book up, and then Broken Harbor by Tana French was yes. the one that I put down. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure last year my reread was the Tana French that I re-read that last year, but she's just amazing. Her books never never lose their charm for me. I listened to this as an audiobook, and it was fantastic.
1: It really is crazy to have, like like I've read uh, In the Woods um, four times, I think. And I still think I could go back and read it again and, and be just as into it. They're so good.
0: What was your biggest surprise this year?
1: I picked Spear by Nicola Griffith. Um, and Two Stormwood by Philip Gray. And I picked them because they were books that I wasn't like... We have another category of stuff we thought we wouldn't like, and then we did. So that the, these kind of go along those lines of I just was... They weren't things I was naturally uh, drawn to, but mm-hmm. then was so into both of them when I read them that I was, I was really, really shocked by it. So Spear is a... Um, a queer Arthurian novella, essentially, mm-hmm. um, that tells the Percival myth in just a new way. And it was just so lovely. And so the writing was so gorgeous. And I, I just was was completely entranced by it. And that, that was one where I thought, I'll like this fine, but I didn't expect mm-hmm. to love it as much as I did. And then Two Stormwood is a book about a woman who is uh, looking for her, uh, I think, fiancé, I want, I or or I'm pretty sure fiance just after world war one. And so she's she's going to the battlefield in, in France in like 1919 looking for for information about him. And I, I, when I came across it, I just thought, eh, I've seen lots of books about the wars and I get uh-huh. pretty tired of them. Um, and this one just felt very, very different from anything I had read before and the the sense like she's always in in these very foggy, just totally decimated spaces, and you got that feeling so much reading this book, it, and it was just gorgeous. And so, um, so that was a very two very pleasant surprises for me. How All about right. you? I like yours.
0: Uh, yeah. So my first one is Hester by Laurie Lico Albanese, which we actually talked about. I'm pretty sure in. Uh, book preview that we the seasonal book previews that we do so Mm -hmm. clearly it was a book that was on my radar that i was excited about but Mm -hmm. i was just blown away with how much i enjoyed it it's about uh, the woman who inspired the scarlet letter it's a fictionalized version and i just loved it and i feel like it didn't get nearly the acclaim i felt like it should have gotten And, and part of it so much of it comes down to expectations it was one of those things where i thought Oh, well, this will be interesting, or I'll enjoy this. But it, I don't know. I just really, really loved that one. And then, same with the book *Marrying the Ketchups* by Jennifer Close. So I had read her years and years and years ago, and this is a this story is about a family who owns a restaurant in Chicago, and I just found them so endearing. I love anything having to do with restaurants. I think restaurants are good fodder for. A, a good story because mm-hmm. there's kind of a lot of inherent drama that takes place in restaurants yeah and I just food. thought this yeah and just I don't know you're often on a schedule that isn't the same as other people because you're working nights and stuff yeah. and so you tend to you tend to form a community with the people that also work in the restaurant industry anyway but I just thought this was really well done and it it's a pretty large cast of characters and there's a question about what's going to happen to the restaurant and I just thought it was all really really well done I loved the family and kind of getting this peek into their lives and so those were both really big surprises to me of how much I loved them and when I finished them thought oh no I don't want to be done with these I
1: want to stay in that world just a little bit longer. Those were two that I wanted to get to and then ended up not getting to read this year and I'm I'm don't know if in my break between committee years yeah. if I'm going to have time, but they both sounded really great.
0: I think uh, Hester, I think you would like. Yeah. 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 Here's okay. the category you've been waiting for. <laughs> what, was your,
1: what was your least
0: favorite that you oh read? Oh my
1: gosh. I truly am a terrible person because I love it. <laughs> uh, my least favorite, I have two to pick from. Uh, the first one is The Boys by Katie Hafner. I just thought this was emotionally manipulative. Oh. Uh, I hated it. I I hated it so much Um, and I think it's a story I don't want to give spoilers but to me it's a story that's been done before in more thoughtful ways okay and um there's a lot of things that are done with the female characters that I found very I keep wanting to say manipulative Mm. I I guess I'll just keep using that word where where it did them a disservice and it so that surprised me because it's a female author and so I would have not thought that she would right. write the women that way, but I, yeah, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Aquake. Emezi. And this got tons and tons of good press. I don't understand why. I thought that the characters were morally bankrupt, which I like in a character, to be honest. I think it's fun to read about, but they have to at least be interesting. And these were boring characters. Um, And I found one review that said this book is an Am I the Asshole Reddit post written in MFA format. And that is pretty much exactly how I felt about it. So that's the one that I didn't finish because I was just like, I I was getting too annoyed with it. It's just, yeah. (laughs) 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 I keep on, I keep, I think a lot of things I want to say are spoilers and I don't want to do that necessarily. But um Maybe yeah, because a lot of people did you. like this book. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. There could lo-
0: be people out there, yeah. But I did not. Yeah. How, well, what, my what's, least yours? Favorite, what's yours? What's <laughs> yours? Yeah, it was also one that got a lot of acclaim. It was Notes on an Execution by Danya Kukafka, And it, this is not a bad book. I mean, this is truly just my least favorite reading experience, which mm. was because it made me so uncomfortable. It is about a man who is on death row for uh, – for murders and there's no question that he did it and it's about how he came to be the person he was and how he came to commit these crimes and so i can see why it was written i can see why people found value in it but for me as an enjoyable reading experience it just made me kind of physically ill the entire time i was reading it which is rare that i would have that sort of visceral reaction to something i read Mm -hmm. and i really just did not like it i just didn't it wouldn't be one i would recommend to anybody because the subject matter is so difficult the writing was really good it was so there's certainly an audience for this book but as far as a book that i just didn't like reading this is this is it for me Mm
1: -hmm. well let's move on to let's move on to things right yes so
0: what was the best distraction that you had and maybe give some context of what it was
1: maybe distracting you from without too much personal detail. <laughs> uh, I'll actually give plenty of personal detail. Um, this one is a surprise to me because it wa- it's Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. And I read this as I was going through a pretty painful breakup. And one would think that a romance novel would not be the thing you would want to read during a right, a breakup. breakup. And maybe it was the context of, like, this breakup should lasted months, essentially, and should have gone a lot faster than it did. But this was the book that I was listening to just by chance um, with the the day that it actually ended. And I found that as I listened to it, so, so I, I'm not going to just quit the book because I had to read it for the committee. I'm not going to, I, I found that I I, instead of wanting to stop reading it, I just was very into this character who who felt like me essentially Mm -hmm. who was very scarred by past um by past experiences with men and very emotionally blocked off because of that and then to see her like find someone who is worth it just uh, oh I'm even getting teary-eyed just oh, <laughs> talking about I know, this book I very, I very moved here, <laughs> yeah like it, it just was it was it actually kind of gave me hope and so um and I just remember driving and kind of feeling numb as I was I mean I, I did find this breakup I'm making it sound like I was completely like bereft and it mm-hmm. was it was uh it was a good thing but it, I remember driving and just just feeling very very out of touch with everything around me and Mm. listening to this book and just like crying and crying as I listen to it so distraction maybe is not the right word for it because but but on the other hand this is like a very sweet love story too and so Mm. I just found that it was it was the perfect book and the shockingly perfect book in in that moment so that's That's so funny because
0: mine is similar in a a different way so mine was right before i was getting married i was having a very hard time focusing on reading a book because there was just so much going on in my mind i had planned this this wedding weekend basically of all these different things and wanted to make sure all the pieces were coming together so it's hard for me to quiet my mind enough to to sit and read and enjoy a book and then i started listening to an audiobook called the wedding season by katie burchall and the whole premise is a woman gets left at the altar. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. And then she spends the rest of the summer having to go to all of these friends' weddings and, and sort of coming to terms with what she wants. But it, you wouldn't think it was literally the week before my wedding that yeah. I was listening to it. And I just <laughs> loved it. I thought it was so fun. I was so enjoying it. It made me feel like I was still in the reading mode without actually having to sit down and read a book, which was really hard for me at that time. And plus, I just didn't have the time. So that was, that was my best distraction for sure. <laughs> Which is so silly that it was about a woman who got left at the altar. I did not get
1: left at the altar. It all no, turned out fine. And it, it was pretty certain that everything was going to go great with that wedding. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, all right, so similarly, but I think a little bit different, was the book that ended a mini-reading slump.
1: Yeah, I think of these as, as definitely different. So I picked I Must Betray You by Ruta Sepetys, and that's um, a YA book that's about the uh, Romanian revolution in the 1980s. And it just was was so engaging, and and the stuff I had been reading up to that point, um, there just was was a lot of stuff that I didn't finish, and things mm-hmm. I that were just meh to me. And then this one, she's just such a good writer, and and picks such interesting lesser known moments mm-hmm. in history. And so, the fact that this is all televised, this the the mm-hmm. things that happened in in this. Uh, in this book, there, there's a, a scene in particular where, um, I can't remember the name of the, the Romanian president who is, was ousted, or the dictator, but um, there's a scene where he is giving a televised speech, and the people there finally start to fight back against the mm-hmm. things that he's saying, and you can watch the speech on YouTube, and it's just really oh, incredible wow. to see. So um, so she just does such a good job at, at like putting one single perspective on these things that are... Mm-hmm historical moments. So she's great. I love her. I want to read
0: that one. Yeah, you'll like it. Uh, Mine is Sophie Goes Lonely Hearts Club by Roselle Lim. And I didn't really have a reading slump this year. But when I was looking for this category, I looked and I had kind of a run of books that were just fine, that they were not awful by any means, or it's not like I wasn't reading at all. But they were just all like, fine, fine, fine. And then I read this and I just thought it was so delightful. It's about this woman who is a matchmaker, but she's actually gotten kicked out of the matchmaking school where where she was supposed to graduate, and she moves into a new apartment building, and there's this group of elderly men who meet, and she decides that they should be her first matchmaking clients, and it's just (laughs) such a sweet story, and it's just truly delightful, and it was one I read I think in one afternoon and I don't know just it it truly made me feel like oh yes this is why I love to read because of books like this so yeah uh, that it was delightful and it sort of ended my little run of just fine books all right this one new category for us this year I love this one is most
1: unputdownable yeah so I picked um I picked two I picked Wake by Shelley Burr which I talked about about um at some point is what I'm reading this isn't like a you know, revolutionary book or anything. It just, I just really couldn't put it down. It's a thriller Mm -hmm. that takes place in the Australian Outback. And that's just a great location for a thriller, (laughs) as as we Mm -hmm. found by several authors. Um, And then The It Girl by Ruth Ware was was another thriller that I just, it's pretty big. And so it did take me a little while to get through, but it was one that I every time I had to stop I thought no I don't want to I I just want to be in this world so much so um, and I'm not I'm not nearly as big of a thriller reader as you are although I very much enjoy them I just don't tend to pick them up as often Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was really fun to have several this year that I felt that that feeling of Mm -hmm. I I just want to keep reading past my bedtime
0: (laughs) that's the best feeling it's the best All right, I have two also. Mine are Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid, of course, which I talked about as one of my favorite books of the year. I read this on my honeymoon, and it was a situation where I kept thinking, oh, I should get up and go do something. it just didn't. And I just (laughs) sat at the pool and gobbled
1: the whole thing down. And I'll, the I'll second one. this one because I I listened to this and I definitely had feelings of, oh, I'm just going to take another lap around right, the parking lot right. with Joseph because right. this is so, like your heart's beating so yes, fast at certain scenes of it. She does such of a of good it. job with the tennis
0: matches, so that yeah. for sure. And then The Golden Couple by Greer Hendricks and Sarah McKinnon, which is a thriller that I listened to as an audiobook. And it's funny you mentioned earlier about getting your books organized. I did that in January, I think, late January, early February, maybe. <clears throat> of this year and listened to this book and was sort of finding excuses to stay in that room continuing to organize even after I didn't actually need to anymore because I Mm -hmm. just kept wanting to listen to it and this was uh just a great fun twisty thriller that I think um if you like thrillers and haven't
1: listened to the audiobook it's a good one all right better late than never this one was tricky for me because I you know, I'm reading such current stuff, but I did, for book clubs, have to listen to two. So my first, the first one I thought of is White Oleander by Janet Fitch. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, I don't know if I should count that one because I realized afterward that the only audio version is an abridged version of it. Oh, interesting. And so I don't, I don't know if I fully count that. Um But yeah, many years after it was published, I finally yeah. got around to, uh, coming in contact with this book. Um, so then I also picked If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin, because um, it's kind of a lesser-known right. book of his, um, other than the movie coming out. But I had never read it, and it was really great.
0: Yeah, mine's Pachinko, which I actually just read a few weeks ago, right before Christmas. And this is one that's been on my shelf for several years. I, I felt fairly confident I was going to like it. It's a sweeping historical fiction book that it just uh, follows multiple characters and that's right up my alley. And sure enough, I did love it very much. It was excellent. It uh, got a lot of acclaim when it came out um, and it just sat because mostly because it was so long and mm-hmm. I never felt like I wanted to pick it up and do it a disservice by reading just little bits at a time. So right. I ended up reading almost the entire thing on a plane trip home from Nebraska through the the couple of flights we had in the layover. And I was it was actually a perfect time to read because I had this big chunk of time where I could just devote to it so yeah. glad I finally got to it I understand why so many people love it and talk about it as such a great book all right next up what book has stayed with you um
1: so for most of these we picked two <laughs> I know we should not well I, uh, yeah, you're it's right. so much fun it's I know so much it's hard to, to narrow do. down I know. um so I picked uh, Love and Saffron by Kim Faye and the reason I picked this is that when I first read it I didn't I thought it was fine, but I wasn't very into it. I thought it was too slight and, and needed to be fleshed out more. And then throughout the year I thought about it more and more and it, it ended up being something that I I wouldn't call it a favorite book of the year, but it was it's one that I just never stopped thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so um so it was very crafty in that way. Mm-hmm. And then I also picked Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey, which is a horror book and it's just straight up creepy there's Mm -hmm. there's some scenes in there that i still think about of um there's specifically a scene where um she is like the premise is that she's uh well actually some of the premise is a spoiler i'm Mm -hmm. not going to give any premise but she's Mm -hmm. there's a scene where she arranges things in her room uh in a way that she thinks is going to stop whatever creepy thing Mm -hmm. is happening in her house from happening and then she comes in and everything is moved and mm. it was so just the way it's written is Creepy. really really good so um, so I think about that one a lot when I'm home alone <laughs> at night <laughs>
0: uh, mine is The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan which is a book that I will be honest I didn't love when I read it so I think that's why I'm I'm including it here it's because I I I keep thinking about it which is unusual for a book that I didn't love but it's sort of like our missing hearts that I talked about earlier about uh, a version of America where neglectful or abusive mothers are removed from their homes and taken to a school to train them to be good mothers and they're given these robot children to raise which is kind of creepy but it's just a book that really has stuck with me uh, and I read that um I think back in the spring. And I'll just randomly kind of think about it and think, gosh, (laughs) what a a just interesting story and disturbing for sure. And the ending I think about a lot. So, yeah, surprising that it stuck with me the way it has. Because when I read it, I just sort of thought, oh, no, I didn't like this. It made me kind of uncomfortable. Sort of like the notes on an execution book. And I read them very close together, which I think I sort of cement those two in my mind because of that. Hmm. Yeah. All right, so this, I love this category. Yes. What book did you think you weren't going to like, but
1: then you did? Um, So first I picked In the Shadow of Lightning by Brian McClellan because it's a giant um, epic fantasy novel, and I was not excited to read it, and then it was very fun, and I was so shocked by it. It is so much not my wheelhouse, but it was, I I was, it's just a really great example of, of what epic fantasy is, so I was very, very shocked by that. And then also for the oddies, I had to listen to Stories to Tell by Richard Marks, and I was not excited for that at all. And it ended up being really, really interesting and compelling. And I learned that he is not a Christian rock guy, which I thought going into the book. Um, So that was a surprise too. And then also he just, like a lot of the book is sort of centered around a theme of that he has been very fortunate in his life and that he has been able to not exactly manifest good things in his life, but kind of, kind of along, Mm -hmm. like he's just been in positions where he's been able to take advantage of a lot of good things um, and is very aware of that. And so to hear him explaining things that way, and he just has a lot of really interesting industry stories that are Mm -hmm. not, that didn't feel name droppy. They Mm -hmm. just, they felt like he was very kind of entranced by them too. Right. And so that was really fun. It did make me go and watch a bunch of YouTube videos of his, which made me very angry because I don't like his music at all. <laughs> yeah. And so, the, and they stuck in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was not happy about that at all. So you'd think that I would be more angry at this book, but I was very shocked by how much I enjoyed it.
0: Well, mine is The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornacek. E. Yes. I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the book at all, but it was it's a feminist retelling of Norse mythology. And I just don't know anything about Norse mythology. So I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. But I did. I loved yeah, it. I thought it was, was so good. good. This, I read this very early in the year. And I it, when I read it, I thought, oh, my gosh, is this going to be one of my favorite books of the year? I just loved it. It was such a surprise. <laughs> uh, and it made me want to learn more about Norse mythology, because I, I truly don't know much about it. So yeah. that one that one was a great surprise for me. All right, what authors did you discover in 2022? that you're excited to read more from in 2023 if they have books out in 2023?
1: Oh, I don't know if any of these have books out in 2023. (laughs) Shoot. Um, so I put down Alex Jennings who wrote uh, The Ballad of Perilous Graves R.F. Kuang, who wrote uh, Babel which I know that she's written uh, The Poppy Wars and I am looking forward to going and and visiting that probably won't be this year I'll be honest Um, and has a
0: new book called Yellow Face coming out
1: oh that's true that's true yeah I'm excited for that one because that's very different than anything Mm. she's written to this point Jillian McAllister who wrote Wrong Place Wrong Time I'm excited to to read more of her and Amiko Jean wrote uh, Mika in Real Life and I very much loved that book. So yeah. Lots of Those good authors to good discover. Picks, yeah Uh I paid
0: uh, for this one. Annabelle Monaghan who wrote Nora Goes Off Script, which was her first book, and she has another one coming out, I think, in May, and I'm excited about that one. Uh Roselle Lim, who wrote that Sophie Goes Lonely Hearts Club, which I just talked about. I'm looking forward. She has a couple of backlist books I would like to get to and then if she writes anything new, and then Saba Tahir, who is actually not new to me. I read some fantasy of hers years ago. She wrote uh, YA fantasy series that I read, but I read All My Rage this year, which was amazing, mm-hmm. and so I'm hopeful she'll continue writing some realistic fiction, and if she does, I'm, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. What book do you wish more people knew about? So this one was tricky because as I'm since I'm not in the library itself, I don't right. have a good sense of what is checking out a right. lot um like i can look at data and right. but it's it's a little bit different so i put the good wife of bath by karen brooks which is a retelling of the wife of bath from the, the canterbury tales mm-hmm. and it's just a, a really really quality historical fiction that doesn't try to uh that i thought gave a really good sense of 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 the middle ages um without making it a fantasy version of the middle ages um and then leech by hyron ennis which is a gothic horror slash science fiction like medical horror Mm. kind of thing that is just so 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 creepy and weird and just a really visceral (laughs) book um and it's it's not easy to get through if body horror Mm -hmm. is not your thing it is not mine but I right. still had to listen to it but it, it's really really good so uh and I don't really hear either of these books talked yeah, about no, very much so
0: mine is this is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carvan which is non-fiction and it is about this woman who one day discovered this passion for Benedict Cumberbatch, like as a, <laughs> as a fan. I mean, like she, like the way people are fans of sports teams and get super into it, she yeah. got super into Benedict Cumberbatch and talking about him online and decorating her house with pictures of him and things like that. And so I think that the title isn't great because I think you assume it's about Benedict Cumberbatch, even though it says this is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. But it's really about women making space for the things that matter for them in their lives and, mm-hmm. and having a passion that maybe some people don't understand and what that looks like. So I, I really I really loved it. We read this in a book club that I'm in, and, and I feel like not very many people that I've spoken to about it know about it, but I mm-hmm. think it's something that would be interesting to a lot of people to read, and it's, it's pretty short. It was great for a book club. We had a lot to talk about, so... That sounds super fun. All right. And then we're both both audiobook listeners. So I put in a new category this year for good audiobook experiences or where you felt like the book was even
1: better to listen to than it would have been to read in print. Um, so my, my first one is both. I would say uh, I picked A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. This was this was a book I did for the Audis and I was not not excited to read it but it it was one that I don't think I would have ever picked up in print Mm -hmm. and so then it was kind of nice to get it as as an audience assignment to be like oh yeah I finally get to read this book and it was just completely riveting as an audiobook for for him to to read it and and so maybe it would have been that way in print too but I felt like I was I was really ele- like my experience was really elevated by it being an audiobook and then also spear um, which i talked about already by mm-hmm. nicola griffith the i just thought it was so the, she reads it herself and mm-hmm. it's so gorgeous and mm-hmm. the writing is really beautiful and then she reads it in this gorgeous accent and that combination was just like book perfection it was <sighs> so satisfying so so those are mine how about yours all right so i have three which is maybe excessive but i
0: have. <laughs> All three are kind of for the same reason, which is that I think had I read them, I would have read them quickly because they're pretty straightforward, simple stories. Listening as an audiobook forced me to kind of pay attention to some of the nuances and things that I maybe wouldn't have had I read them in print. So they are Dinosaurs by Lydia Millet, or Millet, I'm not sure how you say her last name. The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith and Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. So these are three different genres. Dinosaurs is literary fiction. Unsinkable Greta James is relationship fiction, and then Funny You Should Ask is a romantic comedy. Um, But they all just really sparkled as audiobooks. They were all audiobooks that I thoroughly enjoyed listening to. That I felt like I enjoyed more than I expected to, or something. I don't know. That I just really they gave me that feeling that we've referenced a couple of times like you want to keep listening, you want to kind of find things to do so you can keep listening and all three of these did that for me. All right, then what was your favorite non-book thing of the year? Like <laughs> this is sort of a catch-all. Yeah, cuz I
1: put a ton of stuff. You did. Your list is very long. <laughs> so, I'll go through them fast. Cobra Kai was number 1. I watched it uh when I was visiting my friend in January in Ukraine and then just completely became obsessed with it (laughs) i don't know why oh yes i do it's because i have a giant crush on johnny lawrence the second is dickinson which uh is like a weird retelling of emily dickinson's life which i had not ever watched up to this point and i just absolutely loved it the jackie daytona episode of what we do in the shadows is one of my favorite like 30 minutes of tv ever i think um the movies everything everywhere all at once was just Mm impeccable and uh so weird and so different than what i expected it to be the horror movie barbarian which you shouldn't know anything about going into it um at the very end of the year we were gifted by greta toonberry owning andrew tate on twitter and it was just such a perfect little moment of internet takedown that i i just can't stop reading about it because it was so satisfying and then this was my year of phone games I don't usually try to play games on my phone at all, but it doesn't it doesn't interest me other than this year I was sort of when I got into Wordle, as many people did, and I said I got a New York Times Crossword subscription and that just took so much of my time away from reading, but I loved it so much, and I still like now that I'm done with reading list for the year, I the first thing I did was was pick up the New York Times Crossword app and get all excited about that. And then Redactyl, which is my only other uh, natural talent besides Eurovision, redactyl is the one thing I'm good at, like kind of creepily good at. And it's a game where you are given a Wikipedia article with most of the words redacted. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to figure out what the article is. And (laughs) it's so addictive and so much fun and so nerdy. And I play it with my, like you play individually, but then you can share scores. And so my best friend and I uh, share scores and she Is accusing me of witchcraft. So (laughs) that is impressive. I couldn't do that. It's so much fun. I've never played, but I couldn't do that.
0: I have three TV shows and then a last minute ad that I just thought of that I couldn't believe I didn't include here. Uh, So the White Lotus season two. Last year, White Lotus season one was on my list. This year, (laughs) I thought season two was even better than. Oh,
1: really? Oh, Oh, I'm so
0: excited to get to it. Oh, (laughs) yes, absolutely. The show Julia, which is a fictional version of Julia Child coming to the U.S. uh, and developing her TV show. And then we discovered Junior Bake Off, which we've loved the Great British Baking Show for many years and just discovered that there's a children's version that we love. First, I was a little bit nervous that we wouldn't be able to root against any of the kids because they're so adorable uh but yeah they're so i mean they are adorable but you still get kind of get into it and i don't root against any of the kids but there are certainly kids that i'm like yeah it's time for him to go home so uh (laughs) so love that and then my last one is taylor swift's new album midnights which oh yes uh, i love 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 so much and listen to constantly um so those are mine all right and then our last
1: i'm sorry what i said those are good picks thank you
0: Uh, And then our last category, the book we recommended the most this year.
1: Um, Again, two. (laughs) The Battle of Perilous Graves by Alex Jennings, I I don't think I shut up about. And then also The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentile is the other book that I... I, Like, both of these to me felt like they weren't under the radar, but they weren't as big as some other things. And so I felt like I wanted to share how great they are a lot.
0: Yes. So I had a hard time with this because I feel like I had a rotating list based on who I was talking to and what Great. they would like. So I had some thrillers. I had uh, some romances. But I went with Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis, which was just sort of my recommend to everyone kind of book. If I Even if I didn't know what they liked reading, I just thought, oh, you probably like that. And then the other one was Mary Jane by Jessica Anya Blau, which I recommended specifically to people who I knew really liked Taylor Jenkins Reid because mm-hmm. I felt like this was a book that – Flew under the radar for me, at least. I I had seen it. I'd seen the cover, but I didn't know much about it. And when I read it, really loved it and thought it definitely had some Taylor Jenkins Reid vibes. And so that's one I've recommended. I have a lot of friends and family that like Taylor Jenkins Reid and have read everything she's written. So that's kind of a specific one that I've recommended to people. Okay. Oh, we did it. That was so fun. All right. So we will be right back with what
1: we're reading this week. All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? I just started The Boys from Biloxi um, for a professional commitment. It's not something that I would pick up naturally, but I've never read a John Grisham, so I'm kind of really? excited for that. Yeah, yeah. it's just never attracted me, but um, I right. yeah, you know. sort of like to have things forced on me sometimes. So all that I've read so far is just set up for the, their history, um, and I haven't really gotten to The Boys yet, but it starts in the early 20th century, and it's... Um, Biloxi, Mississippi, I guess, had a large Eastern European immigrant population that came to work in the seafood industry there. And it eventually became known for having a lax prohibition enforcement policy, which allowed for nightclubs and bars and casinos to develop in the area. And that, of course, also leads to some more sinister uh, activities as well. So the boys of the title were born in the 1940s to two Croatian immigrant families who came to Biloxi for the seafood industry, and they become childhood friends, and they Little League stars together, and their family immigrant history is the same, but they eventually go on very different tracks. Um, one of the boys is named uh, Keith Rudy, and he's the son of the local prosecutor, and Hugh Malko is the son of the boss of what is called the Dixie Mafia, which runs the criminal underworld their family allows all the sordid things to happen in the area. And so Keith's father has sworn to shut them down. So that's, of course, going to lead to conflict within the family. And the two sons follow in their father's uh, career footsteps. And it, I don't know how this will happen because I haven't gotten there, but the book jacket says that they will eventually clash in a very dramatic way. So, yeah, so I may, I I don't know a lot about John Grisham other than they're um, you know, the general legal thriller mm-hmm. side of things. Uh and so I don't have a lot of experience with knowing like how much setup he does and mm-hmm. and what sort of if, if this is typical for his book to to have so much history included mm-hmm. in it. But um but I'm excited to see how it goes. So I, I really it, oh sorry. Oh I just was gonna say it says it's a thriller on Goodreads, and so I haven't really gotten to anything that's that feels like that yet. Mm-hmm. But um I'm hoping that it does because that sounds fun to me.
0: <laughs> yeah I've liked uh, the John Christian books that I've listened to in particular. like Years and years ago, I read some of his initial ones, like A Time to Kill and mm-hmm. uh, Pelican Brief and all of those. Um, and uh, But then in the last 10 years or so, every once in a while, I'll, I'll do an audiobook of his and they're fun. They're fun to listen to. Oh, good. All right. Mine is Dirt Creek by Haley Scrivener. And I just started this, so I can't tell you too much about it other than It is an Australian set mystery. It's giving me major Jane Harper vibes so far. (laughs) A young girl goes missing and two investigators from Sydney come to this small town to try to help find her. And you know right from the very first chapter that her body is found and then it, or that's sort of the prologue. And then the first chapter goes back to the day she went missing. So right now where I am is they are searching for her but you know that, unfortunately, she doesn't survive. And so it's very much character-driven. Like, you're meeting all these different people from the town. You're meeting her her mom and then her best friend and her best friend's mom. And her dad is a suspect. And so it's all these different people. And none of them, none of them is perfect. I'll say that. They're all kind of flawed. <laughs> you know that all of these characters have some secrets that they're hiding. And there's also some stuff, because it's a small town, There's stuff that's happened in the past that seems to be playing out now through this crime. So it's very good so far. That is Dirt Creek by Haley Scrivener.
1: We need to just do an Australian crime episode. Oh, that'd be fun. Just hit all of these at once. Because
0: they're they're all so good. They are so good. All right. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us, you could tell us all about your superlatives for 2022. We'd love to hear about it. Or your reading resolutions, like I talked about earlier. Um, you could reach out to us uh, at wellreadpod at gmail.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at wellreadpodcast. Podcast. Please rate and review us on whatever podcast provider you use. It really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of all the books that we talk about in our episodes. Thank you all for listening and happy reading.